Hey folks, welcome to episode 109 of the podcast. Um, yeah, you know, me and the guys got together to talk about what the fuck is going on with this virus and what are we going to do to get through this time to sort ourselves out, to keep going through this time and all that jazz. I want to say a huge thank you to everybody who is supporting the Patreon at this time uh, and take a moment to remind people that not only do you get bonus material, uh, if you sponsor at the $5 level, you also get access to this podcast a day earlier and uh, at any price. And starting next week, April 1st, there will be a Facebook group where people who are supporters at the $10 level can hang out and we will have great conversations. I'm going to offer some extra teaching stuff there, uh, as well as invite all of the guests to come and hang out uh, around the time of the launching of the podcast so that they can maybe answer questions and have a little more community around all this jazz. So uh, if you are in a position to uh, jump in, if this inspires you, then please head on over to patreon.com slash the hermit's lamp and sign up. It is as always super appreciated and consider this a gentle reminder. If you are in a bad financial situation because of this coronavirus shutdown, uh, you may also want to head over to patreon.com slash the hermit's lamp and adjust or change your, your sponsorship. As the kids say, the struggle is real. So please do what you need to do to get through this time. As always, I super appreciate the support. says it's recording there you go hey everybody uh welcome to uh episode of the hermit's lamp uh i am hanging out here in our secret hermetically sealed bunker with the stack and skills fellas uh aiden and fabeku and i uh you know decided that we would get together and you know just talk about what's going on right now right because it's all so kind of bonkers really you know and uh yeah so i think we're going to skip with the uh the normal formalities if you don't know who we are well go and listen to the previous episodes google us uh check out the links in the show notes but you know i feel like this is just a time for us to uh you know get to it um hey guys how's it going hey it's going it's going <laughs> yeah it's a peculiar moment Yes, yeah. it yes, it is. But, uh, you know, things are pretty good out here, so. Right. Well, you, you live far away from everybody, right, Aiden? Yeah, we, we are kind of self-isolated to begin with. And mm-hmm. so, uh, really, for me, the big change was we did do, we've done a little bit of work around here that we needed to do. And I can't go to the gym because everything's closed. Mm-hmm. Um and I had stopped just because of it didn't make sense to me not really understanding what's going on on the uh, kind of viral end to be throwing myself out there, especially as I'd been traveling for uh, family stuff the kind of the week before it got crazy here. So, mm-hmm. yeah. How about you, Fabeku? I mean, I know you live in a bat cave with Sid and don't play <laughs> very often, so. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't. I mean, so the, the, 
uh, sort of uh, isolation part has been fine. I mean, that's been normal for me because I, I really don't leave the house much at all. Uh, that's been fine. I think most of it has just been, you know, I mean, the same stuff everybody's dealing with, trying to get groceries, trying to get food, trying to get, you know, basic shit in the house. And uh, yeah, just the, the emotional, mental bandwidth that uh, gets eaten up pretty rapidly by this kind of shit. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, you and I talked very briefly about this before we got on the line today. To me, that's one of the things that is so difficult right now is it's it's kind of all everyone wants to talk about, right? It's kind of like, uh, you know, when you're, when you're drifting towards the end of a relationship and all you can talk about is the things you don't agree about, so then yeah. you don't know what to do with each other, you know? And, uh, you know, it's like it feels like that kind of vibe out there, right? It's just sort of... How do you not talk about it? How do you not get into it? How do you, you know? Yeah, yeah for I'm, sure. I'm, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a lot. Yeah, you know, for me, it's, uh, I mean, I suppose we're all self-employed, right? So it's all, you know, the same for, for all of us. And I feel like probably quite a number of people who listen to this as well, you know? It's that, that's the piece that kind of grates on me the most, right? You know, like... uh at the time of recording it yesterday was the one year anniversary of the fire of the store, you know? And if you'd asked me two, three weeks ago, I would have been like, it's great. It's solid. It's awesome. It's back. That's it. And then you ask me now and I'm just like, I don't know what this means. You know, I don't know where any of this goes. And that is a, uh, you know, it's kind of a nerve wracking spot to be right. You know, I think that the, the words people use like, uh, unprecedented you know we live in unprecedented time um that shit's fucking difficult right so for sure it is yeah yeah it's interesting because i mean for me that's been kind of the issue is i don't know enough and it seems like the information is skewed in all sorts of different directions about the actual virus and so kind of all of my focus has been on the effects of the response to it because mm-hmm. uh, that's very tangible for everyone right and so i think that there's this really weird flux because there's this fear driven from the kind of fear of this virus um but the practical for most people is the fact that in a ton of places all it's kind of this yeah uh, forced ending of your income for a lot of people Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that's a really tricky thing to navigate um, because there's a reason with, you know, and everybody's got their perspective as to whether they believe that it's an appropriate response or not. And that's a separate thing, but there's a reason certain things are happening, but at least in the U S right now where they're talking about, you know, possibly doing a forced stay at home countrywide. Um, it really is changing things in a way that is outside of most people's control. Yeah. Uh, and that's, uh, to me, that's the scary thing, I think probably for more people, even than the virus, mm. which the is a weird control. thing to say, the lack of control. Right. And, and especially cause we are in a, at a point in the world that very few of us have any kind of self-sufficiency. Right. Mm -hmm. in the past 
stay at home would have been stay at home where you already have most of your supplies, right? Because they weren't generally available. Even if we think about the U S or Canada, you know, 150 years ago, Mm -hmm. um, or more, uh, that kind of thing was different, right? Because we had our food, we had our ability to hunt or we had our gardens and we had our food stores and we had the Mm -hmm. hundreds of pounds of sugar and flour or whatever it is that we, that we did buy at the store. Right. But now everything is on this kind of immediate basis. Mm -hmm. Most people, um, and then again, when you have this, when the income is linked to businesses that you go to or have to travel to or have to be open for service industry and things like that, uh, the idea that that can just be shut down without a visible kind of forcing of it, right? This happens in war zones. It happens in, it happens all the time, right? But it doesn't generally happen to such an immense population all at once. Sure, I was recording... Yeah, I was recording last night for my class, and that's what I said is it's interesting because there's a way in which what's happening is not special at all, right? We've had crazy, crazy events throughout human history um, that have taken out huge numbers of people really fast mm-hmm. um, or massive, you know, continent-wide wars that have gone for very long periods of time. and That stuff still goes on, but we usually don't have it be so much one thing in so many places all at once. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's hard to cope with. I think it's hard to process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think there's been something about the the velocity of this, you know, I mean, you start hearing about it in December, but it, and maybe it was just me. Maybe I was just doing a, a poor job paying attention to it, but it seemed like, you know, as of last week, just shit hit the fan with a velocity that was like, what the fuck is going on? And suddenly there's entire countries closed. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I mean, it was just like, wow. And I think that that's, uh, I think that's a thing for a lot of people. You know, there's the, like you said, there's the fear of the virus, which is a thing, but then there's this, this strange kind of disorientation from, we went from like, Oh, Hey, this thing isn't so great to entire countries on lockdown and no food and people fighting in parking lots over Purell and shit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, uh, yeah, the, the velocity of this has just been intense, super intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's, you know, when, when, um, we, uh, we unschooled one of my kids for a while. So, you know, they're having a, a crap time at school. It wasn't working for them. Um, for all sorts of different reasons. And we decided to uh, not just homeschool them, but actually unschool them, right? So you basically just let the kid decide what they're going to do and you support them in doing that. And, you know, I, I, this isn't a conversation about whether that makes sense or not, you know, please don't email us. We don't want to hear about it, but uh, it's, uh, it's, there's this idea that can go with that, that people talk about, which is, when you shift out of a system like being in school every day towards unschooling, there's this process of de-schooling that happens, right? Mm-hmm. There's this like months, months long process of acclimatizing to the reality of not having structure, not having obligation, not having built in socializing, not having, you know, like all these things that you had before that were just just there right um they're all gone 
right? And, you know, I mean, as this thing kind of proceeds and, you know, we'll see how long it continues for and so on. I think that this idea that we're all, um, maybe not all of us, some of us are still working, but like a lot of people are, you know, de-working, right? We're, we're de-escalating our engagement from being accustomed to being on and at work and doing stuff and all these kinds of things. And, you know, not unlike when you hop off the highway, right? And you, you know, we're all speed demons. So we're doing like 250 in the Batmobile down the highway. And then we get off and we got to drive like 15 in this, you know, a slow side street and you, you can't reconcile it for a while. Right. Um, you know, and I think that that's a big part of what's going on too, right? This sort of, we're de-working, we're de-socializing, um, you know, we're, we're going through this massive process of disrupting our regular life for a period of time. And so is everybody else around us. And, you know, it's kind of bonkers, right? Like it's just kind of nuts to, you know, cause, cause at least, you know, when, when only one person's going through it or only one place is going through it, then, you know, other people can support in that. Right. But I feel like, you know, our ability to support people around stuff that we're struggling with, you know, it's always an extra challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it does. Those are super good points, Andrew. And I think that, that is a big thing that is interesting to me because I can see it in my friends that had kind of regular jobs. Um, they're definitely kind of, I think it's harder on them than it is for me in one sense, because there's so much change for them. Mm-hmm. Whereas I can really kind of go, okay, my day to day isn't different. Um, really, but there's stuff that I need to be aware of, mm-hmm. you know? Um, whereas for somebody that maybe, yeah, is, uh, you know, any number of my friends who are, who worked in kind of office settings or restaurant settings and things like that, not only are they, out of work at the moment and worrying about that, but they now also have this mass amount of time to fill in a point in time when there's kind of an endless stream of even worse than usual news. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to me, it's a question of like figuring out, I was talking to a friend of mine about this and I said, you know, what I've done just with me, even though this is not abnormal for me for the most part day to day, is I've really had to find a couple of sources and kind of time it. Mm-hmm. Like, here's when I'm going to go look at this. And this is the time where it's going to disrupt me the least. Cause I don't need the blow by blow. Um, you know, somebody that has been in a state that maybe I was a couple of weeks ago where I was really not aware of it. And then they were super wound up. They had the kids at school, they were working all that they come home and then they kind of suddenly become aware of what's going on in a place like Italy, which is really having a brutal time right now. Mm -hmm. And that can be super overwhelming. And so I think there's a, uh, so I, you know, my conversation with him was like, you know, do what you got to do, but also remember to step back and just get outside or grab the guitar and use the time like you would if it was just free time, you know, don't obsess over the things that you can't do anything about. And it doesn't mean to be disconnected from it or non-compassionate about it, but that's the thing that I think is kind of maybe what feels so weird in the world to me right now 
there's a, there's a ton of people with time and kind of nothing to do but panic in a sense. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of feeds into the whole kind of whatever we want to call it. We could use the you know, collective unconscious as a term, right? So there's this mass stress going on in there that is beyond the original source. Mm-hmm. It's strange. Well, I agree. And that, that information piece is one of the things that I've been talking about. I've been thinking about it a lot for myself. I've been talking about it a lot with people this week. And, you know, like you said, I'm not saying be disconnected. I'm not saying ignore or stick your head in the ground and act like nothing's going on. But, you know, I think that, and this is what I was saying earlier in the week, that if we, if we look at the virus as a contagion, which it is, I think at some point we also have to look at the information as a contagion. And exactly. I, and, and to be smart about, I mean, if we're smart about not being out in public and washing our hands and taking care of what we're doing and all of that, cool. And at some point, I'm for me, I'm unconvinced that constant posts on Facebook about how we're all fucked and the sky is falling and this is the worst shit ever, simultaneously with no no practical thing of what to do. And that's what happens all day, every day, days on end. I feel like we're also flooding that psychic environment with this contagion that has people panicked in ways that nobody knows how to manage. Nobody knows how to manage. And again, I'm not saying don't post information. I'm not saying that, but this flood. And I mean, it was, it was last week. I think it was, I hit a wall with this after about two days of this nonstop flooding where it was like, I can't, do this. I can't participate in this. Like you said, I'm going to check sources. I'm going to do shit in a, in a measured way that makes sense that I can take in, that I can metabolize in the rest of this shit. I can't fucking do it. I yeah. can't do it. I need to listen to music. I need to make some art. I need to fuck around with the cat. I need to look out the window with the birds. I need to do whatever it is, but this constant immersion in this information stream that is full of panic. And again, I think people are sharing it one because nobody knows what to do. Two, I think people think it's well-intentioned. The more information, the better. And, but again, just the psychic environment is a clusterfuck at this point, you know, for a million reasons. And I think that's a real thing that, that people have to look at and figure out how to manage. Well, I think one of the questions that, that I've been sort of sitting with a little bit around this is, um, is there anything that's actually urgent at this mm-hmm. point, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, what's, what's going to be urgent in, in this circumstance at this point for most people in North America, you know, their, their, their city ups or their, their region ups the level of restriction on going out or recommendation on going out. You know, we we all should already be minimizing going out, minimizing hanging out with people, you know, Uh, you know, I've been choosing to spend my, my out time mostly just being outdoors, you know, going for a long walk, riding my bike, spaces where I'm just not going to be meeting anybody and not, if I'm contagious, getting into anybody, you know, and like very limited contacts, you know, so like, and, and by limited contact, I mean like, you know, I went for a walk last night with a friend of mine, you know, we were outside in the beautiful, windy, cold spring morning or evening. And, you know, we stayed away from each other and we just talked and walked and whatever, you know, I mean, I think that, that, you know, the, the, what's the news that's going to escalate things suddenly or unexpectedly that we need to be on top of nothing, 
right? And, you know, this, this time also reminds me um, in its way of, uh, you know, when, when my two brothers died, right? You know, for those who don't know, uh, I lost uh, two of my brothers within six weeks of each other about a decade ago of right now. And, you know, when, when you go through something really difficult like that, and everybody around you, right? Because all my friends and family all knew my brothers and stuff. You know, they were very integrated in my life and so on. It's it's really difficult to to get away from it, to shake it off, right? And it's very difficult to not hang out with people. And then the conversation inevitably slides towards, what the fuck? Why did it happen? What could we have done? Could we have stopped this? Could we have, you know, whatever, right? Like, you know, and and... All that stuff is very well-meaning and totally natural and totally part of the grief process, but none of it, none of it's really helpful after a little while, right? You know, and so there becomes this sort of uh, question about what, for me at that time around that thing, I called, um, you know, what what events, what people, what thoughts in my own head um, led to a funnel of despair, right? led to that stuff where it would just start to swirl and I would start to sink and I would just feel like I could never get out from it, you know? And, and I started cutting that shit off and I started stopping it. And I became, you know, very clear about, in that case, there was like a, a handful of very specific thoughts that about, or like kind of thoughts slash questions about it that put me in the wrong direction. And I kind of, I, I kind of, countered that a lot with the idea that um you know you got to do something with your time right Mm -hmm. and you know it's there's this guy jeff that i knew in high school and he um his job was he worked on a sod farm Mm -hmm. and so he uh he mowed lawns with a tractor for like 10 hours a day on weekends and during summer, I forget exactly what the schedule was, but it was something like, you know, mow this, mow this acreage one day, mow mow that acreage the next day, um, harvest stuff, like whatever. But it was basically just a lot of him in a tractor. Right. And he, and he, he started smoking during that time. And somebody asked him like, why, why are you fucking smoking cigarettes? The sins will kill you. He's like, well, think of it this way. You can just sit around all day and do nothing, or you can sit all around all day and smoke. What would you rather do, right? And I'm not saying everybody should go out and take up smoking, right? But I think that during those times where stuff is is really difficult, you know, making choices that alleviate that stress, that give you a sense of relief, that entertain you during boredom, you know, I, I, I can guarantee you, like, the amount of Netflix that I'm watching over the next while is going to be, you know, heroic right i'm gonna i'm gonna get a hero's medal for the amount of, of netflix i'm gonna watch right you know so yeah you know I, I i i get it i totally get that and i think that you know so like you and i were talking about before we started with client stuff all week the last couple of weeks this has been all it's been all day long and i get it and i'm available for that and i'm happy to support that but then in the evening after work and hanging out with my person, she wanted to talk about it all the time, nonstop, day after day after day. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is after a few days of that, she 
kind of hit a wall and had a meltdown with that. And I said, listen, let's try to figure out how to handle this in a smart way. We'll talk. You can talk as much as you need to about it. I'll do the same thing. And then let's be done with it for the night. Let's not have another conversation about it. And she said, great. And so what we've been doing now every day is doing that and then making art for an hour or two or watching last night, we watched a cure concert for a couple hours. It was just like, and to me, it's that, it's that weird thing. Again, it's not like, let's show up and act like nothing's going on. Let's stuff the stress and the anxiety, but let's also not devote the entire fucking evening or whatever it is to this thing. Yeah. You know, there has to be some way of getting it out and, and then putting a period on it for the moment and, and moving on, moving on at least for the moment. And, and I, I like the funnel of despair. I like the language of that because that, and I think a lot of that, which a lot of people are dealing with is this kind of future casting stuff. What does it mean? When's it going to stop? When am I, and I get it. Those are totally legitimate questions. And if you have no way of answering them, then all you're doing is using the momentum of that and whipping yourself into the wall again and again and again, day after day after day, until you crack your skull open. And I just, I, I don't, as much as I understand it, I don't know how that's a sustainable thing at this point at all. Right. Yeah. We, we've been talking about that a lot and it's interesting because of the book stuff that I'm working on and then the course stuff that I'm working on and then the stuff that my wife and I work on our, you know, ourselves is this is like a super interesting case because we know that humans are storytellers, right? We generate narrative all the time. And most of that is projective, right? It's about what might happen um, or what we hope will happen or what we think will happen. And now we're in this really weird thing where we've got a billion sources of projection on the same subject again, right? And so I have this, it's like this massive gestalt of that that I think you do have to come up with a method to get outside of yes, so that you can chill out and so that you can kind of rest and recuperate physically and psychically and mentally and all that stuff. Um, and this is interesting because it's especially true if you are in a place with a lot of people or you are in one of the kind of at risk categories or in an at risk zone, right? Mm-hmm. Tripping continuously, all of the stressors weakens the immune system. So you really, it's kind of even more critical for the people that are in it, which is probably the harder place to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. To be able to find that space. And I like what you said, Fabiko, and I don't know if this is how you do it, but it's how we do it around here. Cause my wife has a long background in peer counseling, but it's a suggestion if people really don't know how to do this thing is, and I had never experienced this until I got together with her is what we do when we get to a place where somebody's really stressed is we set a timer. Mm -hmm. We go, you get like 45 minutes if you need it, or you get five minutes, whatever makes sense, or you get as long as you want to talk. And the other person has no opinion. It's not their place to even engage in it, Mm -hmm. right? All that they're doing is listening. Um, And let them run. Mm -hmm. And if they're quiet for 10 minutes and they don't seem done, just be quiet with them. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to think anything. Mm -hmm. You don't have to engage in any way with it. Just be present with them and let them process for themselves and then take your turn when that's done. Right. And it's a really critical skill that I don't know how, why it wasn't taught to me earlier (laughs) because it would have made, you know, the first 40, seven years of my life better. Um, 
but it is really necessary to be able to get into what our experience is so that we aren't flooded by everyone else's experience into that narrative, right? And if we can kind of let out all of our narratives and all of the crazy ways that they come out, I think that gets us to kind of a, a ground place, a balance point where you're going like, okay, now I don't have to churn all that stuff in my head because I was able to share it with somebody. And again, if they know that they don't have to have an opinion or they don't have to help you out or they don't have to, you know, uh, comfort you, that it's just a space for you to let that flow happen. Um, it's a huge release of tension and of energy. And it then allows you to really look at that thing. I think that I'm not sure which of you brought up, but, What's really happening right now for you, not everywhere else, because everywhere else is outside of your control for the most part, right? So what's actually happening right now? Um, and then the other side of that is if we can do that work as magical people, which I think most of our listeners are, otherwise I don't know who they are. <laughs> That's why you listen to us time and time again. Um, that then I think allows you to get to a place of going, okay, where am I okay? Where am I not so okay? And what can I do practically and magically to make this kind of a shift? Because it's not probably going to be the same shift, right? But everything's changing all the time. So what can I do to be more resilient kind of psychically and emotionally and the structure of my life when shit happens that I have no control over because that really happens all the time. Like we said, it just usually doesn't happen to so many of us. So obviously all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to just jump into this sort of peer counseling thing because I think you bring up something that's really amazing. I've been peer counseling since the nineties and uh, you know, <clears throat> I honestly, uh, uh, don't know where, where I would be without it, you know? And I actually have like uh, standing monthly peer counseling with a friend of mine that I've been doing it with that whole time, you know? And I do it with other people sometimes too. And, you know, I think that if people are new to this idea, you know, um, I think there may be just a couple of things that could be super fruitful, right? Um, you know, as, as Aiden said, your job is not to give feedback, or whatever, or anything, right? You don't need to do anything. Um, you could ask people, right? What kind of support would you like? Would you like me to ask you a question? Would you like me to give you an observation? Would you like me just to sit and look at you and be present with you? And whatever that other person does, it's their time, right? They're the one who's directing it. So, you know, we don't need to reply. We don't need to have an answer, as you say. Um, and, and even more, we can trust that the other person, the person getting the attention knows what they need on some level and with enough presence from somebody else will get to it if they need something. And yep. the other thing that I would say is if you are, um, if both of you are all up in your shit, right? As happens and you know, it's going to happen right now, a fair bit, right? Everybody's just worked the fuck up about everything. Um, you know, there, there's a leapfrogging that can happen. Right. And so, uh, you know, maybe set a shorter time be like, you know what, I think I could, I think I could hold myself for two minutes while you talk. And then you hold your stuff in for two minutes while I talk. 
and you just go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And especially in the beginning, or especially if we're, we're maybe material is more shared between people, um, those shorter time frames can kind of help because then if you get stirred up by something, um, well, then you got two minutes to talk about it, right? You know, and it's very important to sort of own that, you know, wow, well, I'm, you know, maybe I'm also feeling that. Maybe I'm feeling something different. Maybe I'm whatever. And then the last piece is if somebody else's stuff is stirring you up about them, go take that to somebody else, mm -hmm. right? Go get cleaned up, clear, you know, more focused about what it is that's actually going on before you go, well, you know what, Aiden, the way, the way you talked about it just made me so mad, but you know, it's like, yeah, totally it's not great. Right. It may be necessary, but if you have the capacity and if you can instead go, go find somebody else to peer console and be like, I was talking to Aiden and he said this thing and it just made me so goddamn mad, blah, 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 blah. And then you might get through to something where you're like, Oh, you know what? That's actually just about me. Or, you know, I actually do need to talk to Aiden about his language around this or about whatever, or here's an issue in my relationship with Aiden that this brought up, but you don't, you know, trying to push through stuff together doesn't necessarily help all the time. Right. So that's my, that's my five minute intro to peer counseling ideas. So, yeah. I, I think it's super smart. And, and I want to, the point that both of you said that I want to underline again is, you know, one of the things I've done in the last couple of weeks with clients when they show up with this stuff is kind of saying in the beginning, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to listen? Do you want me to ask you a question? Do you want me to give you my take on it? Do you want me to do a divination? Do you, what do you need? What do you need? You know, because I don't, I don't want to assume that you need a response to everything you say. I don't want to assume that everything you say to me is some request for a solution or a perspective. If you want it, cool, I'm available for that. And if what you want to do is just talk so you can kind of, you know, bleed that stuff out of, out of your system. Cool. You know, uh, I think part of where it gets messy and this is that leapfrogging thing that you said, I think that if, if, if people are unclear what each other needs or wants and they start ping ponging back and forth and your anxiety trips my anxiety. So I want to give you a solution. So I feel like it's under control. So you feel like it's under control. So you stop talking about it. So I'm fine. Then we're all fucked. We're all fucked. Right. That, you know, and so being able to say, I'm available for what you need. Tell me what you need. And then doing that, that to me feels like the most humane thing we can do at this point for everybody. Mm -hmm. Right. And that makes total sense to me because one of the best things that I've found is my wife and I are both problem solvers, right? Um, and so our tendency, if somebody says, this is really fucking with me, is to help them find solutions. But that's not often what's needed. And so through the process and through all this stuff that you guys have talked about, I've got to the place now where way more often I can go, hey, I need to talk for like 10 minutes and I don't want any input. <laughs> you know, I'm not asking for anything. I just need to talk. And sometimes it's just so I can hear myself think because I'm kind of like a, I'm often, um, how I would put it is like my allies respond to communication. Mm -hmm. They don't just throw me stuff. Right. And so sometimes 
I'm bet I'm pretty good at usually coming into kind of the altar and do doing this thing where I'll just kind of go off, but sometimes you need a person to bounce off. And then one of those kind of presences will go try this mm-hmm. in the midst of that. So there's nothing that my wife needed to do. She's almost uninvolved, right? She's strictly a witness. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a kind of critical thing. And especially it all ties in now that if we aren't doing this kind of thing, we tend to get wound into each other's narratives. And I think when we have these kind of crazy unified global event, that narrative isn't super helpful for most people mm-hmm. in a practical sense, right? There's a kind of bonding that is going on, but it's not necessarily a beneficial form of it. Mm-hmm. And so that is where this to me comes to is it, can give you some space to go, okay, my job is really not resilient at all Mm -hmm. to something like this. Do I want to do something about that when I can, right? And it doesn't mean that you can do something about it right now, Mm -hmm. but it can begin the process of that question of going, what's the, what can I do, whether that be practically, physically, practically, magically, practically, anyway but what are the practical steps that my what what my experience not what the world experience but what my experience is showing me right now would be beneficial mm-hmm. i think that that's the place that we can get something kind of positive out of aspects of this you know uh, yeah and you know the other the other thing i was thinking about in terms of of the way we're handling it the way we're handling other people is you know, when we have that space, for me anyway, it feels super important to pay attention to my body. Because as I'm talking about it, at some point, it'll bleed itself out of the line, and I will feel my body relax. Mm -hmm. The problem is, I think the mind is slower to do that. So my body will drop the tension, and I'll take a breath, And then my mind will go, yeah, but, and, and let me pick this ball up and run with it again. And then my body amps up and I'm just re-adrenalizing myself at some point. A couple days ago, I was talking to my person and she was talking at some point. I said, you know, your face just relaxed. Your eyes relaxed, your forehead softened. How do you feel? And she was like, oh yeah, I feel, I feel better. And I said, okay, then maybe we don't continue the conversation. If you're physically relaxed Let's shift gears and do something else. If you need to talk about it, cool. But if not, let's, because I think there is a point where we let that tension go and then our mind just picks it up again, you know? And then we just, we can just do that hamster wheel shit all fucking day, every fucking day for weeks and months and whatever. So I think there's these, these cues to watch for and they're easy to miss. And so I think it's important to be aware with them for ourselves. And also if we're, if we're engaging with another person, to, to say, hey, tell me that. Like, if you see my face relax, if you see my shoulders drop, mention that so I can get it, so that I'm aware of it. So. Yeah. Well, it reminds me, you That's know, good. Um, most, most dramatically and clearly, uh, after the fire last year, uh, you know, I was in shock for weeks, just about the mm-hmm. whole thing. And then I was in anxiety for months, you know, and like, all last fall, it was unclear whether I was even going to have an insurable business and maybe I was going to have to shut it down again, you know? And so like the last year has been full of these sort of uh, tidal waves of stress that, you know, in their own way, 
you know, resemble this shit that I couldn't do stuff about, right? Either I could find an insurance company or I couldn't. And if I couldn't at a certain point, that's the end of, the, of having a store. Um, you know, and, and that stuff sucks for one, for sure. And, uh, you know, I'm the kind of person that when I'm stressed out, I will tend to um, wake up in the middle of the night, you know? I'll just like pop awake at three in the morning because who knows what, right? I shift my pillow and then suddenly that fucker of a brain goes, hey, Andrew, what about blah, blah, blah? What about blah, blah, blah? What about this? What about that? What What if the whole universe just implodes upon itself? Aren't we all dying because of entropy right now? You know, and it just starts going, right? And, And so one of the things that I did a lot of was square breathing, box breathing or whatever you want to call it, right? Yep. Um, you know, I'm sure we've talked about it here before a bunch. You breathe in for four, you hold for four, you breathe out for four, you hold for four. And I would just crank at that for however long it took to calm back down, right? And sometimes that was a while. Sometimes it would be like 20 minutes of like lying in bed just going, shut up and breathe, dude. Shut up and breathe. Four, four, four. And then at the end of that, when I hit that moment where I finally relaxed, right? Sometimes I would go to sleep and sometimes I would watch Star Trek. Because I could tell the difference after a little bit between when I was like actually like relaxed in a way that I'm going to go back to sleep and relax and relax, but also in a state where as soon as I stop, I'm just going to start reactivating again and I just got to go with it, you know? So for the record, uh, other than the original Star Trek, I watched every single Star Trek show and movie last year um, because I had a lot of time on my hands at various points. And I was up in the middle of the night a lot. And at a certain point, like you say, when you're relaxed, it's like, all right, let's watch a TV show. Let's talk about something else. Let's put on some music. Let's, you know, dance a jig. Like, it doesn't matter. But, like, let's just stay out of it for as long as we can, right? For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So one Yeah, of the and things- I think – go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, no, you go ahead. I'm going to change the subject. And one of the things that I've been talking about a lot in this course that I'm doing as it relates to is, is fear. And the one thing that I found, have found really helpful, and I don't remember where I came across this or if it, you know, allies spat it out at 3 a.m. when I couldn't sleep. <laughs> uh, and the box breathing wasn't, wasn't doing shit because um, I have a very similar mind. Um, but at some point I hit a place where I realized, um, and this could be said because I'm sensitive enough, but I would say more that it's an awareness thing. I think we're all sensitive in this way. Um, everybody I know is, is the question to ask within kind of events like this, make it crystal clear and just give you lots of practice time to ask it is, is what you're feeling and is what you're experiencing yours, right? Is the fear yours or is the fear what is floating around because there's so many people who are afraid? Mm -hmm. Um, And to me, it's been really critical in my life to figure out that separation as quickly as possible, as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So, So like I had a family member who, who passed a couple of weeks ago and I went out to see them before they did. And I was really pleased that I got to got there before they kind of, well, they were still, you know, uh, I could talk to them a little bit. 
they weren't fully themselves, but they were enough that I could have the conversations that I wanted to. And during that experience, there was a point that I realized that I was the only person present who could be okay with what was happening physically, Mm. that nobody else was going to be able to kind of really kind of solidly consciously know this person's dying and I have some questions for them. Well, they can answer them about that. So I know where they are with it because no one else is going to ask them that. Mm. Right. And then because everybody is so wound into their fears about whether it's death in general or the specific death and how it would affect them. Um, I knew there was a bunch of kind of pragmatic stuff that nobody else was going to be able to get on mm-hmm. um, in the time frame that it needed to happen, right? And so it was a really interesting process because I was able to go, okay, all of the fear here and all of the stress here isn't mine. I'm cool with this. I had the conversation with the person. They were cool with it. <laughs> like, yeah, I just want to be done. Uh, this sucks. So I'm ready for it to be over. Um, and I'm not freaked out. I'm not afraid. I'm good. Um, and so once I had that information, I was able to kind of go, okay, so now I know where he's at. I know where I'm at. Let's do the stuff that makes this go as smoothly as possible for them because nobody else could do it. Right. Mm -hmm. But if I was not able to see that the fear and the kind of panic and freak out that was going on, wasn't mine. I wouldn't have been able to do that. I wouldn't have been able to help that person, which ended up helping everybody else because that relieved them from that. They could kind of go, okay, Aiden's got it. He's, he's taking care of the business that needs to be taken care of here. Um, But for that to happen, you got to be able to separate that out so you can look at your fear, right? And go, okay, maybe your fear is, you work in a restaurant and you got sent home. And so now pay is gone from there. Um, and unemployment's going to be what unemployment's going to be. And you don't know if the restaurant's going to be there when you come back. So you don't know how many restaurants in your town are going to be able to pull through this whole thing. But if you're wound into all of the other fear, you won't be able to address that. You won't be able to look at that and go, what do I need to do? Because fear is a language, right? It's telling us something. But if we're in the whole morass of it, if we're in that kind of fear funnel, (laughs) I'll use the fear funnel, um, we can't move because we can't see what we have to see. We can't hear the part of that information that's actually for us, right? Whereas if you're totally flipped out about everything going on everywhere, maybe you aren't looking at what are my options on the other side of this? What if my, if my job is gone, what can I practically do to make that have the least impact? Can I make that into a benefit? Uh, is this a point where due to no other choice, I could start that thing I wanted to start. Right. But if we're wound up in everybody else's story, uh, we never get to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think even if we're, And that's a solid point. I would love for all of us, myself included, to be asking, is this fear mine? I think the other thing is, even if, 
once we isolate what is ours, if we're in some future version of fear that we don't know and can't do shit about now, that also fucks us up, right? I was, so I was talking to a client a couple of days ago that understandably was a lot of, what am I going to do with my business? What's going to happen in six months? What do I do three months from now? And I kept saying, I get it. And we can talk about some of it, but a lot of it, there's no answers. And so finally what I said, because they just started to spend, I said, tell me what you need to do today. In the next two hours, what do you need to do? And she said, I just need to do some fucking laundry. I'm wearing clothes that are four days old. And I said, then that's the thing that you do. Get off the phone, do some fucking laundry, and then do the next thing after that. And she sent me a thing the next day and said, that was exactly what I needed. I just needed to know what the fuck to do between our call and dinner time so that I could move something forward in the tiniest way. And obviously doing laundry doesn't solve our business problems in three months or six months or whatever it is, but there had been zero movement for four days around something seemingly as simple as let me put some clothes in the washing machine, you know? And I think that's, that's part of the stuff that happens with this. Either we get whipped up in everybody else's fear or our own stuff or some mix of it or this future shit. And we just, it's a mess. I yeah. get it. And it's a mess. So. Well, I think that that kind of segues a bit into some of the other stuff I want to make sure we talked about today. Cause people are definitely asking a lot about this too. Right. You know, um, you know, people are like, Oh, I, you know, I should be more spiritual. I should be meditating all day. I should find my way to be calm. Is there an army of magic that I can be doing about this? You know, people keep asking me like, have you divined about when it's going to be okay? And, you know, I think that, you know, in the same way that coming to each other with our sort of stuff all boiled up, right. You know, I think that for me personally, going to magic, going to spirits, you know, like I, I, I pray every day to my Arishas, right? And I, you know, had a long conversation with them. And then like a couple of days ago, and then today I basically was like, I'm like, you know what, guys, you know what the fuck's up. I just came by to say hi, you know, help me, help me see my way forward, you know? And I'm not, I'm not going to them with that too and reiterating it and reiterating it because they know, you know, and not that they can't take it or couldn't listen or whatever. But at a certain point, I think that we need to look at what are we doing with that behavior, right? What are we doing with, with our spirits, with our magic and so on, or with our divination, right? You know, um, you know, I was talking to somebody and they're uh, uh, like, how often are you div- divining about this other thing, right? And like every day I'm like, no, just stop. You ask a question, you get an answer. You don't ask that question again until there's something that makes sense to make it ask to be asked again. Right. Because otherwise we're just sort of, you know, feeding that despair funnel or feeding that whatever. And, you know, I'm not, just, I'm not saying if you're a person who sits at your shrine and, and talks about your problems right now and you feel better, you should stop then great, but make sure that you're actually feeling better about it. Right. Make sure that it's actually making sense for you, you know, because otherwise it's like, you know, I think that we need to trust that those communications have been received and try and figure that out, right? And figure out what we do from there and, and listen to see if there's guidance for what we do, right? Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I was, I was talking to a client last week and, and she said, you know, I've been, I've been divining every day about this. I've been divining. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm getting a bunch of contradictory answers. What the fuck do I do? 
And I said, and I, I didn't mean this in a flip way at all. I said, maybe stop divining every day, right? Maybe, maybe that's not the thing because for all kinds of reasons, either because of the place you're in or because this becomes like you're saying this thing that feeds this anxiety, that feeds this despair, that feeds this shit. Maybe because there's so much flux, doesn't really matter, but it doesn't sound like divining every day is a thing that's actually helping you. So maybe divine, and then the next day and the next day, do some offerings, do some meditation, watch a movie, talk to somebody you love. And then when there's, like you said, when there's reason, divine again. But day after day after day, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, as much as I understand the impulse to, to do that. And as much as we've all been there, I'm sure. Uh, exactly. I've done the same shit, not in this situation, but I've done the same shit a yeah. million times before. You know, at some point, it it yeah, is it helping? Is it actually giving you something that helps? And if so, cool. But if not, you know, maybe that's, that's not the thing to do. Yeah. And I think on the, it, it's an interesting thing because it's, it's again, it's been one of the things that we've talked, uh, I've talked about in the course too is, is, um, and I think I talked about it with Chalon on her podcast is one of the things that can be really tricky is we like to get really wound into emotional stuff with the argument that it's justified. Right. Mm. <laughs> and I think that that's correct. Right. Things happen to us that suck or things happen to us that are hard. And so, yes, our anger or our fear or our whatever reaction we're having is justified. But again, kind of coming at it from the magical point of view, and this is tapping into the last thing you said, I think for Biku is, is it helping? Mm. Is it beneficial? to stay wound up in that. The fact that there's a good reason for it to me, isn't enough to stay stuck, right? It's not that you don't have that experience. It's that you don't really want to be stuck in any, you don't want to get on the hamster wheel of either being freaked out or being angry or being uh, any of the things that we can be because generally it's not helpful. Right. And it's, that's the thing that I think is tricky for a lot of people to do is can you step back just enough to go, is this doing something that I want it to do? Right. Cause I think that part of the magical process is not controlling in the sense of controlling outcomes so much, but controlling what we're bringing to it mm -hmm. uh, is one of the great tools there to go like, yeah, I, I'm I could completely freak out about what's going to happen to my business or I can start kind of doing a little bit of uh, forward thinking about what might, what I might want to change to make it hold up better. Right. To things like this. Well, I think that I, you know, I have, I'm very suspect of emotions to be honest. Like I, I think that, a lot of people, you know, talk about, well, I feel what I feel and you can't tell me what you feel. You know, like there's all these language that we have and all these exchanges that we have where people um, uh, sort of anchor into the immutability of their feelings, right? And, and I think that there are, you know, there are times and situations in which that is true and fair uh, in some ways. Um, but I also, you know, so when I, when I was having issues 
with gluten and stuff like that and sort of ended up getting a celiac diagnosis, which I actually just recently had reversed because I retested. Um, but whatever was going on for my body at that time with eating those foods, I was having all these emotions that were directly linked to digestion and not linked to anything that was going on in the circumstances. And it's a very strange experience to walk around for about a year where you, you know, people, people would be like, look, you seem so upset. I'm like, no, I feel fine. I feel great. And they'd be like, but, 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 you know, whatever. Or I would have these massive upwelling of, of emotional things, which were purely biophysical, which had no relationship. Unlike, you know, like where you were talking about earlier, Aiden, about like, well, what's the, what's the core anxiety? What's the real thing for you? That, that's an important line to go down. But also sometimes feelings point at nothing. Sometimes feelings arise out of random stimulus, uh, you know, things that we're not aware of biophysically. You know, there's nothing like not sleeping for a week or two, not sleeping well for a week or two to make me utterly cranky. But I'm not actually really cranky about things. I'm just physically and emotionally cranky because of what's going on biologically. And so I think that when it comes to feelings, I think that there's there's this notion that gets circulated a lot that, you know, emotions are truth, feelings are true, um, feelings are unquestionable, and that we're justified to have them. But I also think that, you know, uh, in the same way that alcoholics and people in those kinds of situations can use their uh, their emotions to justify their addictions and their sort of falling off the wagon or other things, I think that we all do that on some levels. And so when we're having these feelings about things, I think it's really helpful to be, uh, you know, to kind of cock an eyebrow and go, huh, there's a feeling. I wonder what happens if I breathe through this. I wonder what happens if I just rant about this for, to somebody for five minutes. I wonder what happens, you know, like one of the things I do a lot of is like, you know, I went for a, a you know, a two and a half hour walk last night, you know, and talked with a friend and, you know, vented a lot of stuff, was silent for a while, looked at the river some. And when I got back, I didn't have many of those emotions and they didn't come back for quite a while. Does that mean they're not true? Well, I don't know about that. Does it mean that they aren't as true as they wish to present themselves? I think that that's really significant, right? And so, you know, it's not that we want to become locked down and unemotional, you know, I had a really good cry with my person the other night, you know, um, I just, just needed to let some feelings out, and, you know, I've been talking about my feelings, and all these things, but I also think that we, that we maybe owe it to ourselves to question the validity or the helpfulness or the reality of our feelings and whether or not we want to engage with those, you know, and I think that unlike a lot of conventional wisdom, I would actually say that we may have more say if we learn some tools around it than we might otherwise possibly imagine. So, Yeah, I, I definitely fall into that camp to some degree. Um, and a lot of that comes from, uh, or at least the understanding of it for me came from, uh, you know, old school Buddhism, but 
Yeah. And to me, the question is not, is what I, what I tell people is like, yeah, what you're feeling is, is real in the sense that you're feeling it. Right. But the narrative that we create around it may not be. And to me, that's the, the way that I approach it is like, what story am I saying about why I'm freaked out? And is that really what's going on? Or is it something much simpler or much more complex? Or is there a place in my life that I can't express that? And so it's kind of being transferred to something else, you know? And so I think it's a, it's a very interesting thing because I, I do find it interesting the degree to which some folks are aware that this is kind of, it's a combination of events in psyche and biology, right? <laughs> um, but the, 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 causa- the causal chain isn't always as clear as we think it is. <laughs> we like to say, I feel like this because this person did that. You go, well, what if somebody else that you felt differently about had done that? <laughs> right. Um, I can get really riled about somebody I don't know dissing on something that I've written that if one of my friends does it, I might just go and revise it or go, dude, you totally missed the point. Right. And never have an emotional response to. So it's interesting. So I guess sort of one last question, maybe, or whatever we, we do here, but the, the other thing that people talk a lot about and I've heard a lot of requests about is, what kind of magic do you do in a time like this? Right. Is there, is there a focus? Do you, do you always have protection? Do you do magic around health? Do you do magic around whatever? Like what, what kind of stuff um, are you thinking about, uh, you know, focusing attention on during this time? If any, I guess. Um, yeah, I, and this is going out to my students today. So, um, part of, part of it is if we separate out all of the story about what's going on right now, right? All of it, which is virus, government response, personal response, fear of death, fear of loss, fear of all those things what we're seeing right now is this massive point of flux, right? We are in like, you know, and <laughs> to use that line that I stuck in six ways from the Bloister cult, we're at the nexus of the crisis, right? <laughs> Everywhere. Which means it's a really kind of amazing time to change gears if we're interested. Um, that if we're looking for a radical change in our, in our experience or our life or our world and I generally focus internally or close in you know radical change begins at home um this is kind of a great time to do that work if you can find the headspace to do it um and that may be uh, a worthwhile reason to find the headspace if you're having trouble finding a reason to kind of step out of that cycle but with so much change and so much kind of raw material of energy flowing everywhere. Um, I think that it's a really good time to uh, kind of, if you're comfortable doing it and if you have a, an idea or you can come to a perception of what you want different, that's kind of unrelated to all of this stuff. What would that be? 
And that would be my focus. And that is my focus here. Um, yeah. I like that a lot. It's, it reminds me a lot of um, what I thought about post fire, right? You know, like people, you know, like I went from having a store where I was at most of the time, um, doing readings like five days, four or five days a week, you know, and like all, all this other stuff, which was, was working good and was, was, you know, wasn't bad, but also wasn't exactly what I wanted anymore. And I had these ideas that I was sort of trying to hammer out towards how do I get from the sort of lockdown of having this physical location that I'm stuck in towards something where I'm freer to make more art, do more writing, do more teaching, you know, and, and sort of work more deeply with people. And, you know, and so like the, one of the metaphors that, that, you know, kind of came to me was, uh, you know, Uranus transited my, my mid heaven, right? So this sort of force of radical change um, in alignment with my destiny, right? And I was like, I'm just going to lean into the change a lot, you know? And it, you know, it wasn't easy by any means, but it certainly is easier than this situation where everybody feels the same. But nonetheless, I think that that idea of like leaning into it is super helpful, you know? Yeah, and I've been I've been talking about a similar thing. I think that uh, I think that magic works well in flux. You know, the 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 less fixed things are in some ways, the more magic can shape them. And it doesn't mean that we love it. It doesn't mean we go into some rose-colored glasses kind of bullshit. It doesn't mean that we enjoy the flux. But I think that you know, if we're able to aim magic at those things and practical action at those things that, that we want to bend or shape or remix in a certain way, listen, now's a hell of a time to do it. And, you know, so there's that. I, the other thing that I've been thinking a lot about is, is road opening work. I'm a huge fan of that, huge advocate of that. You know, it's, it, it's not like, you know, you're not going to sit down and do, you know, a thousand mantras to Ganesh and every challenge is going to disappear. That's not real shit. But if it, if it reduces some of the challenges, if it reduces the severity, if it reduces the impact, if it clears the way, whatever it is, you know, I think that's a worthwhile thing. And uh, I do think that there's some, some wisdom in doing some, you know, some kind of protection work, whatever that is. I mean, for me, a lot of that's been focused on ancestor stuff. Um, you know, I think that that's a, a smart place to go because both because they've, they've been through shit like this in their own way and because they're very directly invested in, in our well-being, whatever that means, you know. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think all of those things make a ton of sense to me at this point. Yeah. Well, this episode will be out uh, after the live event has happened. Uh, but I'm doing a community ancestor healing ceremony um, a few hours after we're actually recording this and the script for that and the details for how to go about that are going to be up on the website. And we'll see how it goes. Maybe I'll do a few of them over the next while, but certainly anybody who's listening, who wants to tap it in, add some energy to that. Uh, you know, it's all welcome, even if it doesn't happen synchronously with, um, you know, with the actual sort of primary push of that energy. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I think that for me, I feel like when I'm not sure 
what I want, right? Or I'm not sure what's possible. You know, like right now there's a lot of chaos, right? What is, what does it look like? What's going to, you know, what's going to benefit? Like, you know, and I'm accustomed to magic being a thing for me where it's like, Oh, you know what? I want to, I want to make a shift in this way. So I'm going to feed that and, and open the road or, you know, whatever. Right. Um, and now it's like, I don't really know what that looks like. Right. And so I've been doing a lot of uh, luck work. Right. Because I think that for me during a time where there's a lot of chaos, um, the, the, the less control we have, the more luck matters. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, is good luck going to help me not run into that person and be stuck in a small space with them who's sick? Couldn't say for sure. Right. Possibly. Is it going to help me find that bottle of Purell and not get in a fist fight on the way out of the shoot with the supermarket? Maybe. Right? <laughs> or maybe it'll just help me win that fist fight either way. Right. Like, you know, but I think that, I think that that's important. Um, I think it's also really important to understand that at some point this ends, right. And whether that is, you know, in a week seems tremendously unlikely um, or some point down the line further, you know, seems more likely um, whether, whether or not things return to normal, whatever that means. Right. You know, my, my personal hope is they find a way to just kind of be like, look, there's no loans, there's no mortgages, there's no rents, just eat food. People will try and help keep up producing food and, you know, and then when everything gets back to normal or like when this is done, then I'll be like, all right, in two weeks, everybody starts paying rent again. Everybody starts whatever again, you know, um, maybe I'm too much of a socialist, you know, but, um, but, you know, but stuff's going to happen again. Right. And so, you know, I'm thinking about what that looks like. Right. And I'm uh, doing work around planting the seeds so that whatever happens now, things will start to regrow as soon as they can, you know, and sort of feeding that energy as well, because, you know, maybe, maybe I can't, maybe my seeds won't grow until the summer, you know, or, or the fall or whenever, who knows. Right. But if I'm putting them in the ground and especially because I'm not, I'm not tying them super tightly to like, you know, I'm not like, well, I better be making X amount of money for my retail store again, come this date that kind of magic is, is I don't think helpful right now. You know, I think it's, you know, there's, there's, a, there are realities against that, that like, well, that's cool and all, but if you're, if your state says you can't be open, you can't be open. Right. And unlike prohibition, I think bootlegging our stores doesn't make sense during this time. Right. Um, so those are the kinds of magic that I'm focusing on, you know, and the other thing that I'm, that I'm gearing up to and, you know, is I, I've been planning this business course for, you know, I mean, I've been planning it since September or something and it's, you know, starts April 2nd. And I'm like, you know, I've had a few people reach out about signing up and stuff. And I'm like, does it make sense? Does it not make sense? And I'm like, well, if you, if you feel like you want to do this, you know, during a time where you have more time on your hands, it's a great time to establish a, a foundation for that later time. Right. It's a great time if you're, you know, if you're self-employed to revisit your website if you want to, if you have the skills to do it yourself or to revisit your offering or to whatever, because the more we can sort of plant those seeds towards the future and 
do that concrete work that backs it up, right? Like wash your hands, everybody. Um, no magic is, is in place of washing our hands. Um, you know, the more likely things are to be better for us as we come out of this situation, right? You know, and that's, that's sort of a mix of that, that luck and setting the ground that that luck can manifest through as it moves forward through this time, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I think that uh, regardless of what kind of focus makes sense for you and your life and your circumstances, the one thing I've been repeatedly saying to students again and again and again is keep doing magic. Keep doing magic. I get that it's easy to, to let that go and to lose hope and to think it's such a shit show. Why bother? I, I understand that. And I don't think that that's the greatest thing because like you said, at some point it's going to end. Yesterday I took some comfort in, I was reading some, uh, some Odui Fa. I was reading this thing from Eiji Ogbe talking about daylight never lasts beyond its appointed time. Nighttime never lasts longer than is customary. Shit in. Cycles. This is a cycle. It's a weird cycle. It's a fucked up cycle. And it's a yeah. cycle. And on the other side of that cycle, you're going to need there to be something. And if you wait until the cycle is over, then you're just pushing the time back further and further. And so keep doing magic, whatever the fuck that is now, because at some point when that night begins to lift, if you've already got seeds in the ground that are starting to sprout, all the better for you. So keep doing magic. Yeah, for sure. It reminds me of that, the proverb, uh, the greatest thing that God did was to make one day follow another, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing, nothing stays the same, right? And right now we're at the, the hard edge of that maybe, right? But at some point, we'll be on the, the better edge of that. And that's part of the process too, right? Yeah, for sure. Totally. Yeah, well, the one, one thing that I would throw out is this is not specific to this event, but I was having a particularly hard time a while back. And um, I have this crew of kind of spirit allies that I experience in trance and in dreams sometime. And I had a dream with them. And they're kind of this Paleolithic hunter-gatherer crew of really badass. I don't know whether they're Neanderthals or whatever, but they're pretty scary. Uh, but they're awesome. And uh, I was pretty much going like, how do I get through this? How do I survive this thing? And um, I woke up from a dream of them and was like, okay, they're trying to tell me something. Let's go into trance and see what they go. So I go into trance and it's one of those trance things that you do in bed where you're falling asleep and in and out. So it's half trance, half dream. And what they showed me was like a group of about 10 of them hunting. I don't know whether it was like a saber toothed tiger or something like that with these basically like, you know, long poles with sharp stones tied onto the ends of them. And I totally got it that they're like, you know, you're from us. <laughs> this is what we do, right? We, none of us would be here if we weren't from this doesn't mean we all make it but we all do it because we got to and you're here so it works more often than not right uh and i think that that's a critical thing to think about it's like it is what it is in a lot of ways it really sucks but as a as a people we've been through a thousand versions of this they're not the same no probably scarier in a more immediately tangible way. 
And uh, I, I have tended to anchor to that thought a lot when dealing with the ancestors. Like, I know what you guys went through. Uh, I know what you've been through. So, yeah, I mean, and that was, that was the premise for, for the ceremony that I put together, right? It's like, uh, we know people, we know people, you know, dead people who've lived through all sorts of plagues, right? And they've got wisdom yep. to share about that, right? And they've got a vested interest in the continuity of their genetic line their descendants, you know, humanity in general. And it's like, tap into that, work with that, you know? So. Absolutely. For sure. And start making stone tools. Exactly. Sharpen up, sharpen up your stick in the fire. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for, for doing this today. Um, you know, I, I hope that people find it helpful. Um, you know, as always, you know, we're, we're all, all three of us are out there doing stuff and putting stuff out there. Um, you know, so if you want more of this, come and come and find us, come and hang out with us. Fabeku, where, where are you? Where's the best place? Uh, com and Facebook. That's yeah. it. Aiden. Aidenwalker.com and Facebook. I feel like the odd man out. My, my website isn't my name. Um, yeah. I'm at the hermit slam. <laughs> dot com and uh yeah i'm on facebook as well uh sort of all over the place um yeah but keep going keep keep working at it uh you know reach out wash your hands we'll we'll get through it all right all right folks that's another one in the bag uh during the podcast i talked about the ancestral ceremony that i was doing and uh as of the time of me publishing this I'm going to be running those every Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, all the details are on my website. It's a totally free thing to jump in on. Uh, also, my uh, business course uh, is running starting April 2nd. You can find the details on my website as well. And on the one hand, perhaps it feels like a bad time to be focusing on business. And maybe it is. You know, you need to make that decision for yourself. However, as a person who has... Uh, gone through launching their store in 2008 into the recession that happened, uh, as well as having gone through a fire that burned my place to the ground and rebuilt it completely. I have a lot of insights on terms of building stuff during uncertain times. And I feel like there's a lot we can do during these times, even if we're not actually able to do business just yet to set ourselves up for that success later. So if that's a thing you're interested in, head on over as well to the website. There are payment plans and all that jazz to make it more accessible. I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening, everybody.